Welcome to another Pride-themed episode of Tell Me About Your Father's Daddy Issues, where we're serving and dishing while we talk about who or what in recent pop culture and current events is and is not our dad right now, because we're not afraid to multitask like a working woman who's working from home. And you would better believe that when the sky is heavy, we can tell the difference between mauve and purple. I'm Matthew Philp. And I'm Elizabeth Thompson. This week, we're joined by a returning champion of this podcast. He was one of the first people that we interviewed in season one. He is a doyen of New York fashion and media. He's a royal collectibles enthusiast. He is a survivor and a yoga enthusiast who appears weekly on the Mickey and Lynn show, which airs Friday at 7 p.m. on Instagram Live alongside Lynn Yeager, former fashion editor of The Village Voice. He himself Ooh. is the editorial director of the trend creating paper <laughs> magazine. Mm. I am talking about Mickey Boardman. Yay! Hooray! Welcome. Mickey, welcome to our show. Thank you. To our what a thrill to make a triumphant return here. You're yeah. one of our, you are uh, our yeah. first ever guest that we ever did as an Actually, editor. you were, yeah. Well, you, we started with a bang and we're ending with a whimper. <laughs> it's keeping it scrappy. I hate that word scrappy. I've been hearing that word a lot. Oh. I had a meeting with Instagram, not that you care, and they were talking about how they didn't have a budget. Said, you know, because we're scrappy. And I was, I said, you're owned by Facebook and you're telling me you're scrappy. scrappy. some nerve. It's that a marketing nerve. buzz phrase for we don't like to pay for things. Like that's- We don't like to pay people to do work for us. Mm-hmm. Because we're lean and we're nimble. Those are other favorite fake marketing terms for being cheap, basically. And evergreen. I want to go in the opposite direction immediately and talk about jewels, Mickey. Oh. You have a fondness for the houses of the royal houses of Europe and jewels. And you were recently at Sotheby's looking at jewels on display. I was. Matt, how are you privy to jewel auction news? Well, to be fair, I saw this on Mickey's Instagram, but my boyfriend Scott mm -hmm. works at Sotheby's, so I sometimes go and I actually have held the jewels myself. Like it's a kind of amazing thing, especially when you see like the crowns and the heavy necklaces from the old families of the, the crumbling houses of nobility in Europe as they Set, hawk their wares to keep, to keep themselves yes. in furs and you know cocaine or whatever but so you that's like a fancy dinner though right you went and it was lynn was lynn yeager was, was the guest was that right it was hosted i think by lynn okay. yeager and it was celebrating the upcoming auction which now i think has happened yeah. and that was my first sort of official di festive dinner since the lockdown ended really and yes it was very glamorous when i rode a city bike up there and actually i was wearing a black sequined sweatpants and t-shirt with a Gucci, crazy Gucci jacket that looks Versace over. And I thought that was very New York City-ish. That is. And cool. when you ride by in sequin sweatpants and a Gucci that looks Versace, do you get shouts and murmurs from the sidewalk? I think New Yorkers have seen it all and they're not at all shocked. They're perhaps appalled, but not shocked. Although I do see some people, and shockingly a lot of people, who are people I don't even know who say they watch the Mickey and Lynn show on Instagram or that happens to Lynn and I both all the time, actually. And I'm shocked and happy about it, but it was very glamorous. And on the play settings of the meal, they had different fine jewels that were going to be auctioned off, you know, million dollar pieces, including a tiara. And on my Instagram, there's a picture of Lynn wearing a tiara. I actually did not try on any jewels. I have a frozen shoulder, so it's a little, I can, can't really lift it very hard. Although I look young and spry. I'm starting physical therapy on Friday. What happened? You know, they're not sure. It usually happens by, from some kind of injury, but when I had the second vaccination, 
my arm was sore. And then I don't know if I slept on this shoulder weird or something happened, but then I was like, you know, it's sore, but it's also, I can't really move it very well. So then I went to the sports doctor and they said, uh, and I had to get an MRI and they said, I have a frozen shoulder and also a torn labrum, L-A-B-R-U-M. I didn't even know I had a labrum. Was the sports doctor hot? I would fuck him, but I wouldn't say he's hot exactly. Interesting. um, And he was very nice. And he loved that I went to acupuncture and he's very enthusiastic about acupuncture. I thought that was very modern. Of that him. is unusual. And, uh, yeah. Cause usually doctors yeah. will focus on like one thing only and they don't go, yeah. Oh, it could be a mixture of all these things. He was great. Dr. Fireman's his name, Craig Fireman. Craig Excuse Fireman, me, the doctor. You buried the lead. That is the hottest Jesus. name ever. F-E-U-E-R-M-A-N, which like Feuermann, I guess mm-hmm. in German, but I mean, they say fireman at the uh, uh, his office. Oh my god, I love that. I say, Doctor Fireman, my ass is on fire. Please help me. <laughs> my buns uh, are burning. Mm-hmm. Just to keep it subtle. As much as I love the concept of Doctor Fireman so much, you recently had your Royal Collectibles auction, which was for uh, housing works. Is that right? To benefit Correct. housing works. I do a lot of things with housing works. I love them. They do incredible work with people living with HIV AIDS and with homelessness, you know, I'm always donating things to them. And I have so many royalty books and and commemorative dishware that I just said to them, Hey, I have all this stuff. And I would love, the thing is I'm, I am a hoarder, but I also am fine getting rid of things, but I would like for certain things to find good homes. I don't even care about making money from it. I would love to make money for a charity, but it's like, I've spent my life gathering this junk you know what I mean I feel like I would at least want it to go to someone who appreciates it and mostly I gave tons and tons and tons and tons of books of course I still have hundreds of books and hundreds of dishes or I would have I would say maybe 150 dishes and but hundreds of books um so don't worry there's still plenty where that came from but um so we ended up doing it to, as for trooping the color which yeah. was is the official celebration of the queen's birthday in June the second Saturday in June, even though her real birthday in, is in April. April. That's right. What do you think about Meg- about Meghan and Harry, period, with Oprah? I was rocked by that interview. I love Meghan. I, f- I love the royal family, but I recognize that it's a feudal remnant, I have to say. And I think the goal should be to adapt to modern times and make themselves useful. And I feel like Meghan was an incredible tool and an incredible opportunity for that. You know, being racially mixed, being progressive, being modern. And I feel like as often is the case with the royal family, historically speaking, they really kind of crush each other. You know, anyone who it's, you know, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. So anyone who's unique or sort of individual or gets too much attention really kind of gets given a hard mm-hmm. time, whether it was Diana going back to Edward VIII before he abdicated. And, um, you know, I think they kind of chewed her up and spit her out, which I think is too bad. It was the best possible opportunity. And, you know, the first book she did, which I own, was a cookbook that the survivors of the Grenfell Tower disaster put together. And they had a community kitchen. And it's all women of color in headscarves. I mean, it's the, it's such, it's like a progressive person's dream situation and a conservative person's nightmare. You know right. what I mean? Here's like a racially mixed foreigner with women in headscarves cooking hummus, like in, you know, in a community kitchen. And so I think it was completely brilliant. And, you know, um, you, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation. It's sort of like in the end, it's hard to love the royal family and love Megan. It's hard to love the royal family and love Diana. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I, I think Megan is 
is amazing and I think Diana was amazing and I, I wish that they had been ha they had been treated differently and treated better. Yeah. I remember when you did the the interview with us last year for the episode in season one, you talked about how all of your interest in royal history was a way for you and your father to hang out and go on history, royal history tours all over Europe. And you, you talked about that. Well, that became a way for us to hang out, our, both of our love of history. He was not particularly interested in royal history, but when I had signed up for the Nicholas and Alexandra tour of St. Petersburg and put down a non-refundable deposit with my emergency credit card right. that they pay, which I still have, I called and said to my mother, oh, I just signed up for this trip. And, you know, I don't know, can, can you maybe for my birthday and Christmas pay for, you know, can you guys pay for it? And it wasn't like crazy, crazy expensive, but it was more than I could afford on a working media person's mm, salary. Magazine. And um, my mom said, oh, hold on one sec. And she came one second, came back to the phone and said, you know, your dad said he'll pay for the whole thing if he can come with. And I was like, come with? Like, why does he want to come on the Nicholas and Alexandra tour? <laughs> and I was like a horrible snot also because my parents had never been like they'd been to the Bahamas and Canada. They'd never been to Europe or anything. But he went and he he just he more like is more interested in World War Two history. So like we saw some World War Two stuff. But then he also he knows about all historical periods. So we really did bond over that. And we ended up going to Russia and Ukraine a bunch of times. We went to um, India and Africa also. That's not really historical, but we just did a lot of fun trips together. So this is urgent news. I'm just fascinated to see, like we all saw the footage of the queen cutting a cake with a sword that, that she turns yeah. upside down and then sort of like tries to like force through a sheet cake that's covered in like, you know, fondant um with camilla and kate standing next to her just like not reacting and they were like do we have a knife and she's like i know this is much more unusual she turns the sword over and it's sort of weird because it's like you know she's used a sword before and it's like what's going on here nobody's stopping her immediately i thought of elizabeth taylor in her later years when she's like losing her mind in public and doesn't care and i'm like is this a glimpse into like the demise the, the beginning of Elizabeth's elderly kind of phase. Are we seeing cracks in the facade here, do you think? I mean, I think no one will say don't do it because she could do whatever she wants. And she is 95. Right. I mean, that's quite old. I mean, I, I couldn't have even done it with my frozen shoulder. So she's like kind of, unless I did it like this, <laughs> yeah. you know, pushing the hand. So I don't know. I mean, I think we saw like Philip, Prince Philip sort of, you know, he was 99, but he and he'd been in the hospital, but we didn't really see him acting um, senile or anything in public. At least I don't think we did. Did well, we? Or, we you saw know, him driving into ditches. Seen, yeah. That was not good, but we didn't. We saw yeah. the yeah. We saw the car in the diatch. He was and, driving but, cars into diatches and driving women yeah. off the road. Yeah. And remember, the Queen Mother lived to be uh, was she a hundred or a hundred and two? So I think that who knows? Maybe I think it was more just the Queen being kind of cheeky and fun more than her losing her mind. I didn't feel like she was, I, did, I didn't like, she didn't know where she was or something. No, but it was, was just weird that she turned the sword over. Like the whole thing was fine <laughs> by me. And I'm like, why are you turning the sword over? The yeah. sharp sides on that side. And she literally turns it over. And then it's like kind of this concave shape going into- Get her majesty on the phone or maybe Camilla can shed- She's I've having... already sent letters. That's what that helicopter noise was in the background when Matt was talking. That was Camille coming to land on Matt's roof. Yeah, yeah. She's Camilla has a book club that she does on Instagram and I maybe on Zoom even or something like that. But um, I, I haven't read any of the books. Hmm. But... 
Interesting. Well, Mickey, we'll how's your pride going? Oh, uh, my pride is filled with shame. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think every month is pride month. So for, for me, it's a little bit of an eye roll because every brand does a pride capsule collection with a rainbow on it. And every store has windows that, you know, says we love the gays, but you know, um, and then they at the same time are donating to Mitch McConnell. So mm-hmm. I love the parade, although the parade is virtual, except for the reclaim pride parade which I think I'm too tired and old to march in, but I'm going to be hanging out in Washington Square Park where it ends to sort of, you know, be a sort of a cultural vampire and suck up some of the energy and outrage of the young gay LGBT cuties. <laughs> You're going to be vampiring but, um, this pride. That's good. Yeah. I think I celebrate the gays every That's day. That's the thing. I feel like this um, year, I don't know, maybe you never know. It's hard to be objective about this kind of thing, but I really feel like there's a cognizance about just like the difference between corporate, interest and you know like grassroots activism but it just seems like there's such a kind of awareness and almost like eye roll like you were saying the corporate like rainbow logo that they just like quickly throw on facebook and linkedin it's sort of a joke almost now yeah i mean i do think it's good that all those companies pay lgbt people to be in their campaigns or to do things with them on, on on that level i think that's great but i feel i wish it was not just for a few weeks in june every year i wish it was more dispersed throughout the year yeah but, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah should we get into it matt yeah if you'd like to support this podcast please head to patreon.com slash tell me about your father where for as little as three dollars a month you can access bonus dad content and other fun extras so Ooh. as usual we start with who our dads were not this week, just to remind our dear listeners, if we decide someone or something is not our dad, it means that we think that person or thing has recently been infuriating, tragic, cruel, or just a massive disappointment. Um, Biz, do you want to go first? Sure. When I first saw this, I, I, I blinked twice because I thought it had to have been a joke. Speaking of institutions, whether they're corporations or government agencies celebrating pride, this week ICE, as in the Immigration and Customs Enforcement or, uh, Organization, decided to send a tweet recognizing uh, Pride Month quote this is the tweet from ice during hashtag pride month we recognize our lgbtq employees reflect on the trials that their community has endured and rejoice with them and the triumphs of those who have bravely fought and continue to fight for full equality i always rejoice with ice ice is a wonderful place (laughs) where my rejoicing begins always with ice Let's just say the response was not positive. It did not pan out well for ICE or their social media manager. They proceeded to get bombarded by responses from uh, advocates for the LGBT community, particularly LGBTQ detainees of ICE, and just, you know, the general population who called bullshit on this so-called pride statement. Um... A lot of Twitter users responded, you know, directly to this tweet with links to a Rolling Stone article about uh, a devastating story about a trans woman named Roxana Hernandez who was HIV positive and died in an ICE detention center in New Mexico in 2018 after, quote, not getting proper medical attention. 
ICE claimed that this medical attention that she needed was due to complications of HIV, and it was just a very sad thing, but so be it in so many words. But as it came out later through lawsuits and investigations, this person, Roxana, was actually beaten um, by guards and died of her injuries from that. Of course. Video, video footage of this incident was also deleted, which basically made it impossible for them anyone to bring a wrongful death suit. And then also in, in response to this ICE tweet coming out was uh, a story that was written by The Guardian in late 2020 looking at LGBTQ detainees and how they're treated in detention centers rife with very sad statistics. LGBTQ people are 97 times more likely to be victimized within detention centers. Um, when they do report instances of abuse, there's no follow-up. And then, of course, during the pandemic, things got even bleaker because ICE's remedy was to put anyone who complained of you know, mistreatment or abuse from either guards or fellow detainees were put into solitary confinement. Oftentimes in situations that weren't safe, the cells weren't clean properly, et cetera, et cetera. So the pandemic has only really or only magnified, you know, the vulnerabilities of the LGBT community in ICE detention centers. But I just wanted to say from all of us that tell me about your father to ICE for their pride tweet, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and how dare you? I mean, it's like someone tweeted in response, this ice tweeting a pride tweet is like a serial killer in a movie cutting off their victim's face and wearing it as a mask. It's, tr <laughs> it's true. I feel like it is like on the same level of ghoulishness and cynicism. Um, so that ice is not my dad for it's, it's more of that stuff bizarre pride, tried pride tweet and horrendously hypocritical pride tweet. It's this is the kind of thing where you it's like pride is a amazing time for this kind of stuff where you see the places they make these decisions in like a silo. There's no one in that office there going, guys, let's just not do this. Yeah. Like Mickey, you like I think an editorial department is like a much more it's you're openly discussing these decisions all day long but it's important to have like that diversity right you've you have to make sure you have someone in the room who can like check it from every angle you, like that's the that's the worth of an editorial department isn't it i guess yeah at least when biz was at paper that's how it was <laughs> <laughs> that's right i was i was deemed a sourpuss um at paper for speaking up about various things that i found to be problematic and offensive and you know, I just have to say I was right every single time. So thank you. <laughs> thank you <laughs> At least we've learned. Like what? Like what did you? Oh, goodness. We're not going to say what things were, were put on the cutting room floor because it just wouldn't be good for those involved in paper at the time. Because you cut, put them on the cutting room floor for exactly. a reason. Exactly. But they let's just say a lot of things. Well, there's also things that I look back at that I'm shocked were that we did that didn't age well. But yeah. Um, we live and we learn. Anna Wintour. Exactly. Like, no, there it, You're absolutely yeah. right. Anna Wintour, our favorite colonial oh. dame. She has done <laughs> done a lot for us all. You know, I, I got a free membership to Masterclass and I watched Anna's Masterclass. Oh, what was it like? Tell me. You could imagine. I mean, 
interesting. It's interesting to hear her talk. I mean, she can't really teach you how to be her because you either have to be her or you're not her. But it was, I found it, I, I think I love that masterclass. I thought it was kind of practical and like kind of, I think, remember when the September issue came out and everyone's like, ooh, she's such a bitch. And it's like, no, she's just a woman who knows what she wants. And then she doesn't have time for people who aren't going to focus and work hard. She's just a Scorpio. I just went, she's every intelligent, driven boss I've ever worked for. I like, think that that statement, it becomes a very slippery slope once you're on the other end of her, her uh, terror. Yeah, fair her enough. Terror. I've never worked for her. And I have to yeah, say that anyone who wears sunglasses indoors 24 hours a day is definitely on the psychopath spectrum. Like that is just intensely bizarre behavior. And Doesn't the fact that like it's glorified, I find to be very strange. Um, she does not have cataracts, please. Or whatever. She Give has like sensitivity. No, she doesn't. Is it just fine? I don't care. What do I care? Mickey, have you ever talked to her? Yeah. I know Michael Muster. She had a meeting with Michael about doing a story on rollerblading yeah. in, <laughs> in London. And he's like, no, I'm not doing this story for I actually you. had dinner at her house. Rollerblading. <laughs> yeah. For the new issue, currently. For yeah. the 2021 this was, issue. This was like 10 years ago, like 15 years. I don't know when you told me this time. But, but have you I ever have had, have you ever had dinner her. with her? And I actually had dinner at her house. Yeah. She hosted Hamish Bowles' 50th birthday at her house in the country. But everybody kept saying, don't talk to her, don't talk to her, don't talk to her. But, you know, I whatever, you know, she loves gays. I You know, she certainly, I think, has a nice side. She has a driven, monstery side. But I also relate to that because my boss and business boss, Kim Hastrider, is a Scorpio and is very driven. And, you know, there are a lot of, I actually think that kind of a boss is better than another type of boss I've had who kind of changes what they want. You know what I mean? It, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. actually a great boot camp. Like, yeah. I have yet, after coming out of that ex uh, the experience of working at paper, like, you kind of, you work with so many big personalities there that... You, you kind of see it all like it was a good boot camp for Conde. Um, I had to present one stand. I went to her in a meeting and the only thing she told she said to me and the other person that was doing the meeting with me was asking us to close the blinds in this room. She said, please close the blinds when she sat down, except the problem was that the room we were in was like the size of an Olympic swimming pool. So there was like 50 blinds, like 50 windows with 50. So we just closed all of the blinds quietly. We scampered about doing that. Um, that was the only comment she Scampering. made during a presentation yeah. that shaved like a year off my life. So Anna, we thank you. Girl, no boss, yes. Oh my God. Wow. Mm -hmm. Who's next? Uh, Mickey, what if, what's your, who's not your dad right now? Not my dad is the people who, the rich people who live around Washington Square Park who've been complaining to the police about noise and the partying that goes, the dance partying that's happening mm. in Washington Square. And, um, you know, I'm an old person and I like quiet as well, I understand. But if the kids are having fun and people have been, you know, in lockdown for a year and a half, I feel like you can let them be noisy till midnight. You don't have to be like a let me speak to the manager type person and ruin the fun for everybody. That's, you know, we have to sort of learn to get along with each other, I think. So those people, those West villagers are not my dad. How did you come in contact with this distinct problem right now? Like what's happening? Did you Well, like, you know, I'm very plugged into the culture. No. I um go to Washington Square Park sometimes because it's not far from my neighborhood and it's kind of in between my friends and I. Um, 
And often, like, if we're out to dinner, we'll stop by Washington Square afterwards because Lynn lives on Fifth Avenue. So she, you know, it's sort of central there. So we'll go and we'll see. We don't like to, we don't go to the dance parties, but, uh, you know, we've been there many times for many protests, for many vigils, for many different things like gay pride last year. And it's nice to see people having fun and life coming back to New York City. I mean, I understand that people you know, want things to be quiet, but it's like, again, you live in New York City. If you don't want people dancing in the street, maybe you shouldn't live in New York City. Twice in the past few weeks, there's been front page on the New York Post and the New York Daily News stories about the cops having to come break up these parties. And then it turns into, you know, riot, riot responses from NYPD and skirmishes, if you will. And I was actually in Washington Square Park last year after the Pride Parade, and and yeah. they were quite aggressive. Rain pepper spray. All because some kids were voguing next to an ice cream truck and someone called the cops. And so to your point, Mickey, if you don't want to see gay boys voguing next to an ice cream truck at Pride, don't live on fucking Washington Square Park. And if you can afford a townhouse on Washington Square Park, then you know you can afford to leave town during Pride or during the summer when there's these big dance parties. So or some of your go plugs. somewhere else. Nobody wants you here, you stupid idiot. That's a great choice, Mickey. I agree. Those people are not not our dads, not your dad, not Thank my you. dad. None of our fathers. Mm-hmm. They are not. Matt, tell us. Um, so I'm trying to figure out if my not my father is my cholesterol oh. or my bile or my gallbladder. Because I just found out that I have to get like my gallbladder removed because I have two gallstones. Mm-hmm. And oh, what's wow. weird about this it's it's like because today's also my birthday so it's like a great day to have that be the thing that you have to get up and call a bunch of like doctors about um but that aside what's interesting about this is that my father died when he was in his early 30s of like heart issues and there's no way that we could ever have known whether he would have had like a genetic predisposition towards this or whether he ever would have had it because he died too young but I did inherit his like cholesterol issues as well. So there's this gap and the in my medical history, and that is my father. Mm-hmm. It's not fun to have a gallstone, by the way, just if, if you're interested mm-hmm. to know. It's like little rocks in this small organ under your that is near your stomach, and then you're just like in crippling pain randomly as these rocks grind against your organs. <sighs> um and then you have to get it taken out. And so, so Matt, you'll have to yay. get surgery, right? I have to get I have to get surgery. Yeah. Ugh, I'm so sorry that it, you're dealing with this. How uncomfortable and unpleasant. Yeah, it's it's kind of an unusual thing. So it's not it's like kind of not I don't know cholesterol and bile and my own gallbladder mm. and American the American Medical Institute. They're not my oh. dad right mm-hmm. now. I You've mean, had to jump through a lot of hor- hoops of horror in the past few days. H-O-H, hoops of horror. I will say that if you're going to be without health insurance anywhere in the United States, you want to be in New York City because there are so many people that are like, nope, I already know what to do here. It's Mm -hmm. fine. I'm going to call these people for you. We are lucky in New York. Yeah, we are lucky in New York that we have the best access to the best things, which are often prohibitively expensive, but are there or there are options. And, you know, it's true. Remember that documentary that Michael uh, Moore made, Sicko, about the, how corrupt, like crazy America, the American healthcare system is? 
one thing I thought was missing from that, this is obviously years ago, but one thing was missing was the doctors who actually fill in all the gaps for people who don't have insurance. Every single doctor I've ever been to at one point, whether I've been insured or not, has taken either not charged me if I wasn't insured mm -hmm. or just done it anyway or found a way to charge me less or sent me to somebody who could do it for 20 bucks. Like it's sort of amazing how doctors and nurses just go, we are in the business of fixing problems for people and they just do in, a, in New York. So I don't know. My doctor was Thank really great. God. And maybe your doctor will be named like Dr. Hot Lawyer or something because Mickey's yeah, doctor is Dr. Sure. Fireman. Like that's like a sexy yeah. job. Do mm -hmm. Dr. California. Dr. Cow so, Dr. Cowboy. Oh, Dr. Dr. Cowboy. That's what I'm my friend yeah, yeah. my friend Jessica used to call her sports medicine doctor Dr. Cowboy. <laughs> Interesting. But his name wasn't Dr. Fireman, it was somebody else. It's not what, what about like Dr. Husband? <laughs> Dr. Honey, you're already Dr. married. Husband. You're already you know, my favorite store, Screaming Mimi's vintage store, legendary on 14th Street. Um, you know, they were, of course, during COVID, business was rough because the store was closed for a long time. But then Laura, the owner, told me that she knew that things were back and that Halloween was going to be crazy and business would be good because a bunch of different, very hot gays came in one the same week shopping for two different parties. Like one was upstate and I think one was in the city. One was a gay vampire party and the other was a disco cowboy <laughs> party. So, of course, that meant like, underpants with like fangs we're gonna come back from a from a pandemic that caused instant death and poverty with gay vampires and space cowboys and we're gonna have fun damn it it's a front line of defense against absolutely. boredom and pandemics it's absolutely true um let's perk things up by talking about who our dads are right now um if we decide that something or someone is our dad it means that we think it or they have recently shown big boss energy tempered by compassion intelligence and or vulnerability mickey who's your dad right now well, i have a trio of ladies who are Ooh. my dads um katie porter and her like white chalkboard aoc and elizabeth yes. warren i just constantly am impressed with them like when Katie Porter, that clip of her reading oh the guy from the pharmaceutical company about mm -hmm. said that the reason yeah. pharmaceutical prices are so high is because of research and development, which they spent $2.4 billion on. And when she asked how much they spent on stock buybacks and dividends, and he didn't know, mm -hmm. she said $55 billion. <laughs> but um, mm. he was amazing. And again, Elizabeth Warren and AOC always. I need to Google who AOC endorsed I know she endorsed Maya, but I want to see for the other for the for other city mayor. categories because I'm going to vote early tomorrow. I love Maya yeah. and I also love Catherine Garcia, so I'm not sure yet who's going to get one and who's going to get two. But anyway, it's like we've talked about AOC. I mean, it's so easy to like she's so great also on social where someone comes for her and then she just comes back at them with both the facts and the sass, just the perfect nexus of delivery, attitude unmoved like she's not moved she cannot be fucked with mm -hmm. and just she just reads them and shuts it down she just it's like knows kind of amazing how to do it she just knows exactly knows how, to how to respond and how to play it and mickey i love this trio katie porter is incredible with her whiteboard also another incredible clip is her uh a, like just completely scorched earth shutting down Jamie Dimon, the CEO of uh, JP Morgan, over how much they pay their bank tellers in Orange County, California, and Irvine, right. which, which she represents. 
we could pronounce his name Jamie Demon because he's acting like a demon. Okay. Well done. Thank well you. Done. Thank and Elizabeth you. Warren, yes, well I went to two rallies during the presidential races, one for, for Lizzie Girl in Washington Square Park and one for Bernard Sanders. And Elizabeth was incredible and she stayed and took selfies with everyone in that goddamn park. She stayed for like four hours. She did. It was really incredible. And AOC is just, you know, we already said why she is phenomenal. She she endorsed Brad Lander for comptroller, Mickey. Okay, good to know, good to know. My friend's so husband is running for comptroller. Is his name Brad Lander? No, it's Zach Kiskel. Mm -hmm. Well, then he's not getting your vote because AOC didn't endorse him. We're not going to say. We'll cut that. We'll we'll fix that in post. It's fine. I'm Zach is a nice person, but I, I support AOC, so I'll probably vote for them. Maybe I'll put Zach nice for two. I'll put him because it's ranked. It's ranked and skanked. It is ranked and skanked. What, what to do about Eric Adams? He seems like he's ahead, uh, but... Uh, he doesn't live in New York City, and he, he wants more cops. He wants teachers to teach classes of 400 kids i mean he's the he is truly the devil so we need the worst let's put a hex on him right now and big dummy andrew yang those two andrew yang uh, and eric adams get out of here you're gonna have to go go away with the people that don't understand that washington square park is the people's park yeah it's yeah, true yeah yeah, yeah. So what if who's your dad right now my dad is Sufjan stevens let me tell you why um, Sufjan Stevens put out a 49 track new age album called Convocations in May. And I listened to some of it last night when I was trying to go to sleep. And I thought there is nothing more big boss energy than putting out a 49 track new age instrumental album, no lyrics. It's very droney. And, um, when I looked into this album more, it turns out that Sufjan recorded it after his father died, who died in September of 2020, and that it's a, a meditation on grief. And I thought it was interesting because his album Carrie and Lowell, which is about his mother's death and his, his mother's mother, schizophrenia yeah. and alcoholism, um, is such a, a beautifully written and very um, clear and sad album. And I thought it was interesting that the album around his father's death has no words, which kind of goes into, you know, what we talk about on this podcast, which is, you know, the language around fathers and men of a certain generation um, or verbal skills or ability to communicate. Um, so I just I just love Sufjan. I feel like he is um, a very important and special artist and musician, and we must protect him at all costs. Yeah, he's constantly under constant he attack. He is under so constant attack where well. people want to know, is he Christian? Is he gay? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know what? Who cares? He is a spiritual person. He has a lot of love and kindness, and he's the only a uh, artist of note that I've ever encountered in writing to publicly talk about going to Al-Anon meetings, which I really appreciate. He's my Al-Anon prince and I can't get enough of him. Sufjan Stevens, you are my dad. Yeah. Is, isn't it your dad's birthday uh, today or something? Or Oh my God, oh, Mickey, it boy. is. And how spooky ooky is it that I do a podcast with someone named Matt Philp, whose birthday is on the same day as my dad's birthday. That is yeah, nuts. I know. And also, it's Paul McCartney's birthday. 
And so, and if Paul McCartney stopped getting facelifts, then he would be able to come on this podcast to say, thank you for saying happy birthday. Is, do you, is it, do you really, is it okay for you to talk about his facelifts that way? Or do you think it's a little mean? I think it's mean and we'll probably cut this. Okay. I'm um, just wondering. Listen, I think it's okay to talk about, make fun of men for getting facelifts because women are never scrutinized for their appearances. So why do you think, Mickey, That's you right. think it's, it's mean and unfair? I'm a Libra and I hate conflict or uh, of <sighs> any kind. And I just, you know, I think Paul's great and. I do too. I I'm just saying he's a facelift prince and that's okay. Is that what you're trying, saying? I'm not trying to demonize that what him. You're saying. I have to, sorry, I have, the point goes to Mickey okay, at this point. Okay, listen, I'm not saying that he's a bad person or that he's a fool for getting a facelift, but I also think, let's call it what it is, he has been facelifted many times. And why am I not allowed to comment on that? You get a point for that. Both of you get a point. Yeah. Okay. It's been a tennis match. It's a match. Libra split tie. Look how mad Mickey looks right now. I'm not mad. He's just seething. He has smoke I'm coming out of his mad. ears. <laughs> I'm not mad. Mickey, are you are you flashing back to editorial meetings with me? <laughs> Absolutely. I've erased those from my memory. <laughs> it's an expensive process, it's but true. it's worth it. <laughs> who is next? Um, I'm going to tell you who my... Uh, dad is right now. I just want to tell you a little story, though, to get there. Um, commercial lobster diver by the name of Michael Packard mm. was off the coast of Provincetown, Massachusetts, when he, he was finding lobsters uh, underwater. And he was swallowed by a humpback whale that was going around feeding, mm -hmm. you know, obviously by mistake, because humpback whales um, eat krill. They don't eat people um this was 35 feet below the surface near herring cove beach at eight o'clock in the morning on a friday he was swallowed and then th probably 30 seconds later the whale just went and spat him out and he then was picked up by like a colleague and he was taken to the hospital and the whale just kind of got on with its business and left. And then he, of course, this guy's like doing the rounds. He's on Jimmy Kimmel and stuff. And I just want to say he was, uh, he was treated for soft tissue damage. He was not damp, like hurt in any real way. Um, and then he got to go and do a bunch of press. And I just think there's a quiet dignity that the whale has <laughs> displayed here by just not doing any yes. press not making a thing out of it it's clearly gone oh i made a mistake by eating this man and then just got rid of the man mm -hmm. and then just kind of went on its way it didn't make it mm -hmm. worse hasn't made it into mm -hmm. an issue and i think there's something kind of dignified about that and i and i would like to say that i think that's big that boss is big boss energy it was just like it happened moving on like, are we gonna? We're just moving on. I'm not turning it into a brand. Are we sure moment. it happened? Are we sure he got followed? Well, this is this is the mm. thing. The press has continued because oh, people me. are like, "Is this this is ludicrous? This guy, <laughs> this is no way that this could happen." But apparently, nobody in his circle, this elite fisherman circle, where they all kind of have a code of conduct, they're all like, "Nah, it's definitely something that happened." There's no way that he would have risked being laughed at and tossed out of every bar, every fisherman's bar in Massachusetts. Like they're just all like, this just makes, it doesn't make sense. And someone saw him, this guy, Josiah uh, Mayo, 
saw him Josiah thrown into the Mayo? air. Mayo? What are these names? I mean, I don't write this stuff, you know what I mean? But Josiah saw him thrown into the air and then went and pulled him out of the water. And then mm. they went. Let Josiah Mayo could vouch for him. Something <laughs> smells fishy. <laughs> well done. Exceptional work. But I mean, I, that's what, thank you, Mickey. I was like, well, just, it's good enough for Josiah. It's good enough for me. But it, that, that culture of dudes that are tough yeah. and they don't, they don't put up with showboating. Yeah. That's what happened here. And this, they're all like, no, 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 he's fine. This is, he wouldn't have made this up. And he was in hospital, you know, like he, he went to in hospital. hospital. He was in hospital. In hospital. Well, wait says. a minute. What's that one movie with um, George Clooney where everybody's like a hot fisherman and then they die? <laughs> Not the perfect storm, is it? Is it that? Yes, yeah. the perfect storm. Thank you, Mickey. Um, well, Josiah is the name of one of the Duggars. Uh, is his favorite TV yeah. family, the Duggars. Did you see how uh, the oldest Duggar is on trial for child pornography? I, I'm yeah, not so, shocked. And again, do you talk about behind the scenes arguments at Paper Magazine? Hmm. Bill and Derek Dillard came, the, the, Jill Duggar and Derek Dillard came to the office to get interviewed by me and I have a picture with them. But uh, yeah, I still love that show, despite some of the members of the family doing oh, Why, Mickey? Ex you ex tell us why you stand the Duggars. Yeah, what's the Even in our year them? of the Lord 2021. Go. Um, I don't know. I just like the same reason I enjoy the Kardashians or I enjoy like seeing families that are fam that are sort of strange and different than me, but that are families. You know, you see that they care about each other and they, you know, have issues that they go through life dealing with. But um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I like the show. I, I'm not. And, uh, is that why you love royal families too? Because they all Perhaps. have. Yeah, I do love royal families because I love history and I love reading about history or learning about history through the main figures who make it. And especially mm -hmm. back in the day, like, you know, World War One, for example, those, the, the royal families were the leaders of the country really who were sort of the figurehead. So I'm, a, yeah. I'm just a family man. Hey, what do you think man. about Kim and Kanye divorcing? Well, did you watch the Andy Cohen reunion? Part? Not yet. I've only watched. watched the finale. I haven't watched the reunion. It was actually really good, I have to say. Really? Asked some hard questions. Mm -hmm. you know, Kim is a Libra like me, and I think she's in love with love, and she really gave it her best shot, and I think he has a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. And I think he's very talented, but, you know, does stuff that's hard to handle. Mm -hmm. and, um, you you don't think that was a classic royal arranged marriage that was allying to cultural forces you, maybe in a subsidiary on? way but she said on this reunion show like how the robbery in paris changed her so much mm -hmm. like, or that right. she said she always had to have the most expensive car the fanciest this the biggest jewels like and now she doesn't care about that anymore like she realizes that that's not what makes you happy and mm -hmm. i think there must be a part of it the same way the reason we all love rock stars or sports stars or models or you know people who are kind of high profile but um no i think she really i think she's always like i think she's in love with love and she thinks that thought he was going to be her forever love and her you know, ride off with him like the handsome prince. And I think he has, you know, it's more complicated than that. I'm sure part of the reason that he was attracted to her was that she was the most famous woman in the world with the most famous body, with yeah. the most famous ass, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she was his he doll. even said that, yeah, yeah, she was kind of a doll and he could cast her in his own image and 
make of that what you will. I thought that the hologram, we've talked about this on our Patreon, but the hologram he made of Robert Kardashian, Caden's late father, for her 40th birthday in October was highly disturbing and inappropriate. Um, it, was it was really insane. weird. And again, I thought of that that doll kind of comparison of like even even her grief is has to be filtered through his own perception and in this case a hologram <laughs> jesus i would love to know actually mickey talk about your um, instagram live show what is it that we can expect every week what's tom the foolery well um yes it's tom the foolery. mickey and lynn show every friday at 7 p.m eastern time on my instagram live and it's interesting because you know lynn had always said she would never do social media she would never start an instagram and in the pandemic she did and i think she realized that there are a million jewelry accounts and history accounts and um, things that she's actually interested in. And it's also a good tool for her to put out her message and um, her message, not that she has a message other than look at my jewels, look at my toys, look at me. Yeah. But, sparkling um, jewels. And so she suggested doing the Instagram live because she actually got hired by somebody, I forget who, some big fashion company to do an Instagram live and she didn't know how to do it. So she said, could I teach? asked if I could teach her. And really the only way to teach someone is by doing it with them. So then she did it and she said, well, maybe we should do a show every week, you know, since we had a lot of free time on our hands during the pandemic. So we started it and it's, you know, she talks, the thing is we're so opposite. We're so similar and yeah, we're so opposite. She's, you know, um, sort she's like sort of a former, former communist. She loves fur coats. She hates royals. She collects old toys. I collect my royalty stuff. We, you know, we bond over certain things. So like we, every week we talk about, I have a royalty book of the week. She has her toy of the week, although she always does two toys, which is a, get the psychologist on the phone to talk about that. <laughs> and we talk about what she bought and what she returned. We talk about what I watched either on TV or at the movies or something. And um, we do a shameless plug of the week. Maybe one week I'll do the Tell Me About Your Father podcast. Oh, my God. Also, I've come on a few times to ask questions in the comments. Yes, yes, we love to have people ask questions. And it's just a fun way for kind of people to, from different worlds to kind of come together, different places from around the country, around the world, and kind of just, you know, chat and be silly and kiki. And, and it's live, so you have to just see what happens. We do, right? we do. And I was just on the phone again with spectrum to talk about my wi-fi which you know is not great as you maybe have picked mm. up on they're coming and installing some new stuff and we'll see what happens but for the tell next time you have me the next time you have me on tell them it's an emergency it a is fashion emergency it's a fashion absolutely. emergency absolutely absolutely uh, what a great episode this has been mickey thank you so much for coming on I thank you for yes, having me. I think you. it's the best episode you guys have ever done. <laughs> yeah, but what about but what about your own personal interview one? Where do you rank it's that the best with this one? I guys have ever done <laughs> of all oh, podcasts. That was the best episode in person ever, and this is the best virtual episode. One of the funniest things when you told us you did your original interview with us was when you said and my brother did once force me to jump out of a window and he's never apologized for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's like as a sentence was genius, even though I'm sure it was horrifying. That was funny, but, actually. But, it was um, it was weird, but it was funny. It's, he jumped out to first. So, I mean, it was like, it wasn't like he, yeah. Oh, I see. But um, no, he and I are getting along very well, actually. He just texted me during this program. I'm not sure what he's telling me, but I mean. 
Well, tell us That's more nice. about the context because it is a funny moment of your episode. You just add in out of nowhere, and he once forced me to jump out of a window. Well, he woke up. We, What's the context behind that? We story? shared a bedroom, and I we must have been like second and third grade, or I don't know, something like maybe t- nine and ten, or ten and eleven, something like that. And he woke me up one morning insisting that the house was being robbed. Like he said, he could hear that the house was being robbed. And it was like 6.30 in the morning or something like that. And it was in the wind. I feel like it was cold out. It must have been, I don't know if it was like a weekend. I don't know, it couldn't have been a weekend. But anyway, I don't know. But so he said, we have to jump out the window because we couldn't go out the bedroom door because he could hear, that's he heard rustling and stuff like that. So anyway, he we lived in a split level house. So it's like the living room stuff was like on ground level. And then the other part of the house was like, the basement and the top floor on top of it, but it was really, uh, it wasn't like right. super high, but it was high enough. So anyway, so we jumped, so he jumped out the window and I just can remember myself in my pajamas sitting on the ledge of the window, kind of being like not wanting to jump. And I finally kind of like, ooh, look at my arms coming up, hanging out like out the edge, kind of like and dropping and stuff like that. But oh. he had to sort of coach me up. And then we kind of hung out on the patio and then we, our mother, we figured, was in the kitchen, like, making breakfast. And we kind of knocked and scared the shit out of her. And she was like, what the hell are you doing out in the fucking patio? And we said, Scott said somebody was robbing the house. And it was actually my dad getting up and getting ready for work, which she did every single day. So I don't know why suddenly my brother thought the house was going to rob. <laughs> well, at least you learned how oh, to escape. How old really were you? Like, nine or ten. or he's, oh. he, we're, we're one year apart, so. Oh, my God. You're Irish twins. We are, except that we're Polish, but yes, we are Irish twins. Does he run a fashion magazine and have strong opinions? No, he's a lawyer. He's very, I always say we're the opposite. He's very rich and not very fabulous. Well, Mickey, before before you leave, and speaking of fabulous rich lives, a clip of you talking about Jeffrey Epstein recently went viral on Twitter. You were a talking head on many episodes of VH1's The Fabulous Life of, which any uh, 80s, 90s, and 2000s babies grew up watching. Um, Probably not 2000s babies, but definitely 90s and 80s. Um, and a clip of you talking about his private chat has gone viral. Tell us about it. Well, first of all, in, in your defense, you're basically like, why does this person ha- need to have this, this private jet? Well, yeah, the thing, you know, it's fabulous life of billionaires, I think was that episode. And it's the kind mm. of thing, like, literally, it was one of those talking head shows where like, literally, I, they didn't even send a car. I had to like, get there myself. You got no money. There was some sad catering which I always hate, of course, because I can't pass the catering table. So they kind of knew what they wanted you to talk about or kind of, they would, you know, they wouldn't give you a script, but they would sort of say, oh, there's, and I'd never heard of Jeffrey Epstein. I didn't even remember it until somebody tweeted it, the link to it at me. Like, and I was like, oh, great. Now I'm going to get raked over the fucking coals for talking about Jeffrey Epstein. Um, But yeah, I was just saying like, why does he, because he had like a 747 or something. And and I'm like, why would somebody need a 747? Well, of course, now we all know why he needed a 747. So he and Kevin Spacey and Bill Clinton and Bill Gates could, you know, have sex with underage concubines. And Alan Dershowitz. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, luckily a couple people have texted it to me and like mentioned it to me. And I was a little bit horrified that it would get go get ugly. But um it did not you don't you don't say anything to you know 
Yeah. But it's not exactly the kind of thing people, the kind of press mention that you like to get on your Google alerts. You know what I mean? You like to get a, (laughs) you prefer to get a page six mention of the Royal estate sale. Oh my God. Hopefully nothing from this conversation will resurface in 20 years and cancel all of us. Maybe the facelift thing. Oh my God, Paul, please. Keep it in the vault. Mm-hmm. Did you see Yoko? Maybe. Did you see Yoko Ono tweeted happy birthday to Paul with a little picture of them both? I thought that was no. That's big of her considering yeah. her treatment by the Beatles. Considering that we shot her a couple times and she was one of the biggest nightmares I've ever dealt with. But I worked oh, her. Say yeah. more, Mickey. I worked can't leave. her. That's Yoko what we Ono's call a difficult. doorknob comment. Hey, bye bye, bye bye now. Bye-bye. No. <laughs> Why was she a nightmare? What it what happened? Was very demanding, and we had to move studios, and uh, she wouldn't go to Brooklyn, and then we moved to Manhattan, and then she's the last minute canceled anyway. And we were like, well, we can get her a car to take her to Brooklyn, and they were like, she has a she doesn't. They laughed. They're like, she has a driver. She doesn't need a, you to get her a car. She just doesn't <laughs> want to go to Brooklyn. And um, anyway. She, but I, I, I think she's a highly underappreciated talent. I love her crazy hijinks and stuff, but she was very much unfun to deal with in uh, terms of setting up a shoot and interview. I could see that. She would talk about like time travel and the concept of a photo shoot. I wish, it's, I, I wish she would say that if she we had given time travel as a reason to not going, I would have been, she just was being like a spoiled rich bitch. I, she was yeah. like, I can't go to Brooklyn to be shot at Salt Studios because of time travel. The same way, like, if someone, like, I have to sign a contract this week and Mercury's in retrograde and I'm not oh, signing no. Mercury's out of retrograde. And yeah. I, that's perfectly logical to me. I, when does Mercury go out of retrograde? The 21st or 22nd, but you should give it a day or two extra just to uh, be safe. Yeah, okay. I think it's the 22nd. Unless it's an old relationship, unless it's an old thing that you, you know, you could, that's already been started. But if it's a new thing, you should not sign during Mercury Retrograde. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good no, to know. No, no, don't do it. All contracts off, Matt. Oh, thank God we had this meeting because I was ready to sign all my contracts, but I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> yeah, the DocuSign's pulled up right here on his computer. Oh, girl. His hand is hovering over actually. the pen cursor. It was, and, and I've retracted, I'm retracting. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm retracting all my Careful, your pins. shoulder will freeze like Mickey's froze. Well, that'll be what will save me. That will. And be then you'll have to go see Dr. Fireman. Game. But is that such a bad yeah. thing? I used to have this gay doctor whose name I don't remember who was on Gay Street. And he wore very tight Bermuda shorts that were pretty, they weren't short shorts, but they weren't long enough to be Bermudas. They were kind of in between but like sort of navy blue, very cute, uh, beefy, kind of hairy chested with a beard. And um, he was giving me a prostate exam once. And I was like, so he, I was like not, not excited about it. And he said, oh, I know how you're feeling. I went to my doctor and she gave me a prostate check and I felt like she was fisting me. And I was like, <laughs> I feel dirty having you tell me that. And yet at the same time, excited here on Gay Street in New York City. Yeah. It's sort of like weird when gay doctors do that stuff because they're being like, it's fine, girl, you know, we're sisters. And you're like, I know, I just, for now, I'd actually really just like to do the medical thing. We're sisters from different fisters, right? Sister from. Yeah, sisters from a different fister. That's right. <laughs> and that's the line and that we end the recording. Thank you, fisters and sisters. Have a wonderful week. We love you. Indeed. <gasps>
Tell Me About Your Father was created and produced by Aaron Hosier, Elizabeth Thompson, and Matthew Philp. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Tell Me About Your Father and Twitter at TMAYF Podcast. And patreon.com slash tell me about your father, where for as little as three dollars a month you can access bonus dad content and other fun extras. <laughs>